Good morning, RCC. For everyone that is here with us in the room, welcome to church. For all my live streamers, we are so happy that you're tuning in with us this morning. You know the drill by now. We love to see you guys interacting in the comments, so feel free to do so. This morning, we have something really special for you. So if you go on our Facebook page, you will see our service guide again. That way you can follow along with our offering prayer, our psalm reading, feel more included in the service because we just want you to feel like you're just as much at home as everyone else is. So this morning, we have a lot of announcements for you. They'll also be in the weekly. They're in the service guide. They'll be in the Facebook prayer walls, so don't be too stressed out if you can't follow along. But lots of save the dates. September is going to be a really fun and jam-packed month. So getting started, it is group season. If you are looking for a group, contact Jessica. You can do so at jessica at rivercitysmyrna.com. She'll help you find a perfect group. You can also go on our River City webpage and find some groups there. Two groups that we want to highlight this morning. Our very first one is going to be Welcome to the Table. So if you're familiar with Welcome to the Table, it is a life group for people who are new. So if you've been tuning in for a while and you've never been to the church and you want to become more involved, that is a great group to join. You'll learn about our culture, our values, our mission. That is going to be every um, Sunday night. There will be more information coming out for that soon, so look out for that. And then our second group is going to be our perspective group. So our perspective group is a book club. It talks about race reconciliation, and they are going to be doing an afternoon study on Sundays from 3 to 4.30 over the book, The Color of Compromise. If this season has empowered you and has made you feel like you want to press in to justice and racial justice, this is the perfect group for you. It's a really great Christ-centered-led conversation, so look out for that. You can also email Shannon at Shannon at RiverCitySmyrna.com for more information about that. And then we'll always be doing our weekly tailgate, so weekly at Wednesday, Wednesday nights. We'll have them at Taylor Bronner Park from 6 to 8. Bring your food, bring your family, bring some games, and we will hang out there. And then finally, one of our last Save the Dates I'm so excited about is going to be our RCC Worship Night. So worship nights are a really big thing here. We love to spend time with each other and just in prayer and in music and in praise. So on September the 22nd, from 7 to 8.30, we're going to have another worship night. It's going to be at the table. It's going to be great. Come ready to receive and just ready to see what God's going to do. It's going to be an awesome time. And then for all of our parents who are getting a little burnt out from distant learning, we have something great for you. So Kara and Shannon had a brilliant idea to start a student kind of co-op. What will happen is on 7.45 a.m. to 12.15 on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you can bring your child. There will be people there to kind of help facilitate the learning process. And then you'll have some time just to kind of catch up with whatever else you need. That'll be every Tuesday and every Thursday. Um, so if you need more information, contact Shannon or talk, contact Kara, and they will get you set up. And that starts this week on Tuesday. And if you're interested in volunteering, we would love to have you. So again, contact them about information of how to volunteer. So that is the end of our announcements. Thank you for staying present for all of them. If you didn't, that's okay. Like I said, it's going to be online. So for our lectionary reading this morning, it's going to be Psalm 119 from 33 to 40. And it says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statues, and I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eye from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. 
turn away from reproach that I tried for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts, and in your righteousness gives me life. So Father God, we just come before you this morning, offering our life like living liturgy, Lord, a call and response. Teach us your way, God, and we will delight in it, and we will follow it. Show us your mind and where your heart is, and we will follow after it full speed. So Lord, we just thank you that you are a God that teaches, that you are a God that is present, and you want your people to know you and to be more like you. And this morning, Lord, our presence here says yes. We agree with what it is that you're doing and we want to we want to turn our life and our mind and our heart towards your kingdom and your vision. And so Lord, we just pray this morning a special blessing over everyone who's here. Tune down the distractions that they came in with, the Monday through Friday chaos that lingers on them, Lord. We just pray that for a moment that your spirit just silences all the chaos. That they can tune their eyes to you in this moment and receive clarity and peace. Lord, we thank you that you are a God that is lavish in giving that. And we love you. We exalt you this morning. And we pray for your peace to fall upon us. And in your holy son's name we pray. starting in verse 2 says through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God not only that but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us so this morning as we head into prayers of the people, I pray that we would lean into the suffering, knowing that we would come out of our suffering with, with a more grounded, more sure hope. So as we pray for the suffering around the world, as you see pictures on the screen and you hear of news that maybe you didn't know what was going on, may we just for a moment turn away from the suffering, but may we lean into the suffering, knowing that as we lean into the suffering for ourselves and for those around the world, it is going to produce a hope that will not put us to shame and it will not let us down. If you'll pray with me. For the Universal Church, its members and its mission, we pray for the Pakistani Christian who was arrested for choosing scripture over the Quran. We pray for those who are under amidst persecution by Boko Haram and other extremist groups, fearing for their lives every hour of every day because of their faith. We pray for the 20% of churches in America that are risking being closed permanently because of the pandemic and unable to reopen. God, would we hear that and may we lean into the suffering knowing that you have put a hope in us through the Holy Spirit that is anchoring our souls and tethering our souls to a, a picture much greater than earth and that is eternity and it's eternity with you. 
May we sit and mourn and weep and lament, but may we not grow so discouraged that we stop fighting, that we stop clinging to the one who has offered us hope. We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for those in Japan who are being evacuated as they prepare for the typhoon preparing to never see their home again, fearing that they may not see loved ones in their community ever again. God, would you give them a miraculous peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. We pray for comfort in California for the wildfires. God, would you bring rain? Would you bring rain? Would you provide the communities that need resources funneled into them? God, would you provide those in very real and tangible ways? We pray for the protests in Belarus that are still raging as they want a new leader and there is severe mistreatment. God, would you come would you allow there to be restoration and reconciliation in a country in Belarus that they that they would experience safety and security within their own country for the first time in decades we pray for the local community of Smyrna and Cobb County Cobb County has put forth a transition phased plan to re-enter schools face to face. God, would you continue to give them discernment and wisdom that they would intentionally and purposefully take next steps to serve best the community of people, their physical health, their mental health, their spiritual health. Be with the teachers as they are preparing to go back to face-to-face, -to -face, prepare administrators as they still face such hard decisions in front of them. Would you bless them? Would you bless them with rest? Would you somehow take their anxious heart and provide peace for them? They're just doing the best that they can. May we have grace for the other. And we pray Smyrna. We pray for River City Church and our local community and all those who suffer in it. We pray for Marlon, Terrence's friend, as he is possibly still in the middle of a kidney transplant surgery. God, we pray for provision that the doctors would be an expert at knowing just how to allow that transplant to be successful. Would you allow his body to accept the kidney that he would be able to go on to live a healthy and thriving, a beautiful life? bring peace into the hospital room during recovery. Allow his body to respond well to medicine. We pray for Lee Davis as he continues to heal from being burned in the trauma of that I cannot imagine. God, would you give strength to him and Jana and his family as they're trying to walk through a healing process. Feeling like parts of your, your body are disfigured or, or, or not even your own body. God, would you provide a community of people to surround them and walk with them. We pray 
for Ernie, the Godby's friend who has stage four cancer, and Ryan's stepmom who's beginning chemo. God, would you be with them? You are Emmanuel, God, God with us. You have not abandoned them. You have not left them, God. Would you be so near to them that somehow through the midst of suffering, there would be an enduring hope community around them that they would know that they're not alone may they know this morning that there are saints in Smyrna Georgia praying for them may their faith be encouraged and affirmed we thank you that we can trust your faithfulness and your goodness and your sovereignty towards us we thank you that there are 10,000 plus reasons to sing and praise your name. We thank you that this earth is not our home. We thank you that our fight is not against flesh and blood. So we cling to your name and we sing your name over and over and over and over again until we believe it again, that you are indeed on the throne. everyone at home here seeing some new faces in here today super pumped to be with you I prayed this morning I get up every Sunday morning and write out my prayers it's kind of a little it's a way for me to interact with prayer I draw some things as well and I prayed that there would be a sweet presence in the midst of community today and I definitely am experiencing that through worship so all of you guys that help with worship unbelievable um thank you so much. At home, I hope it was, I hope you could hear it this week, because that, that would be a big step up from last week, and I think we fixed it. If we didn't, we probably already know, but it was amazing in here. And last night, those of you who came out to our parking lot, RCC night, super fun as well, tons of kids, everybody had, my, my son said, got in the car and was like, Daddy, that was so awesome. So it's good to be in the midst of community. We've been, for the last few weeks, Stepping into what it looks like to be the body, we've asked questions like, so what's the goal of the church? Like, especially now, some of the things we should be thinking about as people who are a part of a church or involved in Christian community, we should be asking a question like, so what's the goal of the church? Is it just to get people back in a space so we can hear someone preach about the word and sing songs together? And I think we're starting to sense that it's much deeper than that. And if this season has provided anything for us, It's that God has been doing work the whole time and he's been surfacing things in this season to help us grow. I'm not saying God caused it. I'm saying that in any difficult situation, he's working things for the best. And he's definitely done that in me. I've had to look at things I don't really wanna look at. I've cried again, like I've told you, more in my life in the past six months than I've ever cried. Bill this morning decided while I was studying to turn on loudly one of the Les Mis songs and I teared up. It was just a joke and it worked. And so God is present this year with us. So what's he drawing us into? What's the next thing for us? Let's not just say, let's go after what's coming, but how do we exist now? We're not missing anything good if we're present. And so today's passage is gonna talk a little bit more about the ecclesia, ecclesia, the church, the communion of saints, the body of Christ, the family of God, all of it, right? This is important right now. 
What's the purpose of this? Why are we doing this? Why are we here? Why are we in Smyrna? Why are we in Marietta? Why are we in Atlanta? Why are we in Georgia? Why is the body of Christ on earth? And right now specifically, wouldn't it be fantastic if the body lived its mission? Not to show everyone how right we've been, but to show everyone a kind of love that draws people into the deeper conversations. Why am I here? What's this all about? That's what I hope to get into today, and I'm gonna do it by speaking on a passage that I have never preached on purposefully. And again, the lectionary gives you things, you're like, all right, I guess I'm doing that this week, and here's what we're doing. But first, Western idea of church is, li- is like a voluntary association of autonomous individuals. It's literally a collection of individuals who really enjoy their individual space, who when they leave church are probably going home, pulling into their garage, closing the door, and taking some rest inside. We love our isolation. And so when we talk about this body of Christ, we don't have the framework that this was written to. I think we just need to be okay with where we're at. Like, this is us. But when Paul was writing about the body of Christ, he used imagery that was jolting. Literally, the phrase I'm using, the body of Christ. That is scandalous. That says that if we're the body, then my friend here might be like the finger, and I might be like the ear, and then you might be like the foot. And some might be like the parts we don't want to discuss. We know who they are in this room. So this idea that I'm gonna preach to you about today is so practical and kind of in your face, but if you think about it in terms of your individualism and how you need to be self-sufficient, it will be hard to reconcile what's happening here. And that's where we're at. But if you can think about it in the terms of a family, what happens when family members have conflict? What happens when family members don't get along? What happens when someone does something to you that they hurt you deeply, but didn't say anything to you after it? What do you do with that, right? So today we're gonna talk about some of that stuff because of course it's really fun to spend an hour talking about that stuff. So I wanna read you Matthew 18, 15 through 20. If you want to pull that up, if you want to open your Bibles, I'm gonna try and read it from here. Last week I, I came as close as I have to getting through a passage without fumbling. I think it was literally the last word. So we'll see this week, new adventure. So I'm gonna read you Matthew 18, 15 through 20. And it says this. Now stay with me too, okay? Let this hit you. Let it sink in. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. You're already like, yeah, that's good. This is good. That's good, yeah, that's what we do, yeah. Keep it between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Super fun, right? Good times, guys, right? If he refuses to listen to you, tell it to the church. Amen. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, Let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, I don't know why I'm smiling and laughing right now, I'm honest. Like I can't, I can't, sometimes when I'm not supposed to smile, I do it. And I'm I'm doing that right now, so stay with me. 
Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. I'm just going to point this out. The only part of this passage we quote, the literal only part is, you know, where two or three are gathered, amen. You know, pray for anything and... There's a, there's a really crazy context. And the context is the driving force behind the second part. This is not a passage to say whatever you guys think you want, you get. It's not like the Oprah text in the scriptures. This is about a thing that leads to a thing. And so I think we have to be honest about what we think church should be, right? Like we literally, this is what happens. People think that churches should not have conflict. And if they do, the church is flawed. The same thing in families, right? Like, the truth is, Jesus is being utterly realistic here. What he's saying is this, you are going to have conflict even more. You are going to sin against one another even more. You are going to be done wrong by a brother and sister. It's going to, this is not the, this is not like, well, this might happen like once. So let's just maybe sneak it in there somewhere, Matthew. Like just something about if somebody happens to one day harm you in church, because that's happened before, I think, right? Raise your hand if you've been harmed in a church before. Everybody, right? Like we're all, we've all been harmed. And what Jesus is saying here, that part's unavoidable. So he's trying to be as specific as possible to talk to us, not when you think you've done somebody wrong. Here's the context. When someone did it to you. And this is not like me passing by and and not like in service, not talking to you. Like, that's not what this is. That's like a maybe you're just personalizing that too much thing. You know, like that person didn't say, good job on the thing that I did. That's not that. This is saying when someone has sinned against you and it's meaning like, When someone has hurt you and you know it's not right. Here's what happens in that context. So this doesn't even give room for for those of us who, like myself, wonder why when someone comes to something and they don't want to stop and talk to me, why that feels so harmful. Like, oh, you don't want to talk? Fine. I'm going to shun you and treat you like a Gentile. I don't even know what that means yet, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do my best at it. This isn't that stuff. And just to be honest, that's most of the things in churches that cause hurt, like random side things, right? This is talking about, no, I actually do a thing that harms you deeply and you know it's not scriptural. What do you do with that? What are the rules of engagement when you're certain you've been done wrong? That's what he's trying to build out because here's the shocking thing Our society does not handle it well. We enjoy when it's highlighted that someone has done wrong and even the Christian brothers and sisters jump right on board and point our fingers and say, you you scum, right? I've got the like, I can't remember what movie that was. Princess Bride, like the guy that's like, woe to you, that's a lady, yeah. But, you know, but maybe, maybe I wasn't wearing my glasses, you know? So we as a church, like we, we're stepping into a season where 
we're watching each other do this because of our political differences, right? Even within the church, we're willing to say things to one another that could deeply harm each other, like really awful things. So Jesus is trying to say, no, this is going to happen and what makes you Christian isn't if it's happening. What makes your church healthy isn't if these things are happening. What makes you Christian is how you walk through it. That's the difference. That's the difference in just saying, well, two or or three of us are gathered, we're gonna get what we want. And saying, actually, when two or three are gathered in this way, they've had to process and learn and grow in such a way that they understand conflict and humility. And then maybe on top of humility, Jesus, maybe where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. And maybe if you pray anything in that context, you're already praying what Jesus desires. And maybe if you're willing to do community like this and fight for the beloved saints, maybe you're already so in line with what Jesus is saying and doing that you would pray the humble thing and you would seek after his heart. But maybe if you're not willing to do those things, maybe the body suffers so drastically that it's shocking to the world that the church could be like that. And maybe we send a message that reaffirms all of the false images that the church bears until we bear the life of God and the life of Jesus, which of course puts on flesh only to be killed so that we might live. How do we confuse this? How does Christianity become the power gospel? How do we demand what we want and they just keep their distance? Like we went on this mission trip when I was in, I was a youth pastor, I was a youth leader before that for a long time. We went to New York, we took, I was just a, kind of a helper at this point. We took maybe 100 kids with massive youth ministry. We went to New York City because we were, we were definitely gonna save this city. Like we were gonna take our upper, upper middle class white church to New York and just, just love it for Jesus, you know. And our kids got out of the vans and literally were like, stopping traffic for us to walk through. They were like, no, like these 13 year old kids from Tennessee where I was, were like trying to control the environment because we were there on a mission for Jesus. And because of that, we were allowed to do things because we're on a mission for Jesus. And like, you should respect that, right? Like real men love Jesus, right? I don't like that. That phrasing, if the humility of God is what becomes the fragrance of Christ to our community, how are, we, how are we able to look at a brother or sister who literally has wronged us and do the opposite of what Christ has done? This scenario is not someone coming to you that has harmed you. Even though there's a scripture that says if, you've har- if there's something against a brother or sister, leave your offering here. Go this scenario is the person who is harmed taking careful steps to honor, don't hear me wrong, I do not think that you should be in situations where you are abused or harmed and remain in those at all. But in the body of Christ, when sins sinned against, this is the way that Christ is saying to care for those who have sinned against you. It's unbelievable. It's countercultural. It would not be celebrated. It would, you would not even be counseled into this. Someone who you know has done you wrong, this is what you do. But he's asking us to go just from forgiveness because for me, I know 
Forgiveness for me is almost like a band-aid. Like I would just rather be like, no, I'm just gonna let them go and then we're gonna pretend like nothing's there. I'm gonna hide that I really don't enjoy them or wanna be around them, really don't wanna talk to them. I'm sure I did some things, I don't know what they are, but I would rather just distance myself. So I'll just smile at them at church and be like, hey sister, hey brother, it's good to see you, missed you. And it's not even real. So that's, that's like counterfeit forgiveness that's we think is valuable because there can't be conflict in church. But what this is asking is to move beyond forgiveness to reconciliation, which is a desire to fight, not just seek, to fight for possible healing. Is there a way that something could work out? Is there a way that there could be any kind of helpful steps forward in this? Moving from forgiveness to reconciliation, it's not driven by punishment. Every time I've ever heard this, it's been from somebody who had a church make them stand in front of the church or do something. We had a youth group when I was actual youth pastor and one of the young ladies in our group had come from a church where she had been caught doing something that she shouldn't have been doing. She was made to stand on the stage and tell the church her sin. So there's no care, like no reconciliation, no healing, just you did a bad thing, tell them and now we're good, right? I knew another church that had the Christians in the church sit on stage and face the people who were not Christian and they would sit there and look back and of course, like you all wanna know where that church is because you would like to check it out. So what are we doing? Jesus gives us a couple steps. He offers a different way. He offers a way that I don't know many people that do this and I include myself in knowing I have so many blind spots in this area that for it to come from me is truly the spirit of God leading me. So if you see this in me towards you, I have gotten through so many of my own personal barriers that I am sure are right. I did everything I could to make sure this person didn't feel this, didn't do this. I know I went out of, all the, all the excuses we use when somebody confronts us, when somebody says, hey, we need to talk. It's like one of my favorite statements. We do? I'm instantly building my case. I, I didn't do this, I didn't do this. They did that, they for sure did that. So I'll just listen as they tell me, but I'm, I'm just gonna wait till the end and make it look like I was really listening and be like, you know, what about you? Like, what about when you did this, Jordan? What about when you did this, Sarah? What about when you did this, Luke? I heard what you said. We don't really hear what people say, I don't think. Jesus is saying, there has to be room that you might be the one that did it, even if you know that you didn't. That's the humility of God. You're certain you didn't do anything, right? Last week we talked about the hermeneutic of generosity. That's whatever you think is happening, putting on that situation that they did the right thing. Even if you know that they didn't, a hermeneutic of generosity gives space for others to be right and you to be wrong. We're not good, so here's the things. Choose depth. Number one, go to a person one-on-one. Not to be like, here's the list, dummy, and here's what you did, but to be like, here's what I perceived happened. When you did this, this happened to me. And I just wanna be open and upfront and do it one-on-one because in Christian community, you should really care about the personhood. You should care about the honor of someone even if you disagree with them. It should be one-on-one. It should be you saying the hard thing, right? But in this spot, in this very first step, take it one-on-one, is where we perceive the brokenness and we bring others in. We build our case. Here's where I think I was, tell me, tell me what you think, isn't Like, do you think that, and you, and you kinda know who to go to that's already gonna get your back, right? Like, I, I know I can talk to my dad and be like, 
well, I shot this person in the leg, but they were looking at me funny. And they'd be like, well, yeah, you shouldn't have been looking at you funny, you know? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you're, you're, nothing's wrong, right? Well, like we know the first step in offense, especially if you know it's a real offense, is to the person for possible reconciliation. And if it ends there, hallelujah, dance a jig, celebrate, you've gained a brother or sister. And not only that, they know you have depth and that you can be trusted, But if they start hearing from so-and-so that's been praying for you, right? Because I was hurt and I just need some prayer about this, you know. They know that they can't trust you and you're not trustworthy and I'm not trustworthy when I do that. But if that doesn't work, (laughs) this is where it gets messy. If that doesn't work, bring one or two people with you to show them how stupid they are, no. Bring one or two people with you, preferably people of wisdom that are trusted by the community to sit and almost mediate. Here's what we perceive as happening. Help us to see what we don't see. And maybe in that scenario with one or two together, the person who feels offended learns something about what they did that they couldn't see because their blinders are on. So the person who is offended at this stage is like, oh my gosh, I had no idea when I did that 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 had that effect on you. And maybe it took two or three, but you would never take two or three just to show that person how bad they are. It's always hopeful reconciliation, right? I am not awesome at this. I wanna do things so well that I don't have to be challenged. Not because I think I'm the best, but I wanna be so, I wanna be perceived as someone who fights for the community so much that when someone says to me, hey Josh, we need to talk, I instantly feel horrified because I've already done the work, like many of you, to make sure I didn't hurt anybody. And if I did hurt somebody, typically it's because I didn't know and I have a blind spot and I did a thing that was selfish that I just didn't know. Or I don't know how to speak to people sometimes. And because I'm a three on the Enneagram, sorry, Justin, I know we just lost you, but check back in later. Like I, I know that we all feel very, that's what happens. It's not that we wanna be bad people to other people. It's that we fight so hard to not be that when it possibly happens, that space feels so invaded that no, you're not coming in here. I've already done the work here. No, you're not coming, I've already done the work. I know that this is not me. So it appears so defensive, but it's actually just protection because you're, you're really scared and we're all really scared. But when somebody honors us and this, so that the body of Christ and tr- the world is looking for churches who know how to do this. Because when somebody does that to you, it comes to you and says, here's where I feel like, you possibly harmed me and I just wanna, I wanna talk through it. You're not a terrible person. Your identity's not your failure. When that starts to happen, the kind of unity that's formed is counter-cultural. We don't see it. We celebrate the broken. Look on Twitter, the top 20 things, half of them are people who have failed or someone who's claiming someone's failing. Half of them, we celebrate this in our culture. So lastly, lean into the body. I don't have good steps on this. I've heard people say the body could be four or five people that are in leadership. The body, I most certainly think that this space when it doesn't work after two people and one person is not the airing out to show how bad they are. That's not what lean into the body is. Take it to the body. It's to say, All right, we need a broader perspective now. Is anything here that needs to be seen because what's happening to one person to one person is bigger than those two people? This is where this crux of this passage is. 
The community of God and what's happening in that community matters deeply. We're the, we're the way that Christ goes into our cities. This, we're not here doing our thing and God's like doing his work and we're hearing about it. This is us. We're the ones who bear the image of Christ into our worlds. So when you're so mad at me that you can't even be near me, something has to happen. Because what's at stake is the entire body and this is the body that shows who Jesus is. The local body, not the televised body, even though I enjoy that we get to do this now, but the presence of the body in the city and the neighborhoods and how we are with one another. And if all we really care about is being right, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be told how right we are. Jesus sends us as carriers of the gospel as messengers of hope, to send a message of love to people that are not expecting it. It's gotta be real. So if it can't work after that, which shockingly, a lot of times conflict cannot be concluded. We should not celebrate when someone has to step away from the body. We should lament to the point of tears and brokenness because it's as if someone just took our arm and removed it from our body. The body of Christ is not a collection of autonomous individuals. It is interdependent and it matters. And so if it comes to a spot where it will not work, we should be weeping about it. And then, here's the, here's the crux of the whole thing, the second crux, which doesn't make sense, but stay with me then if that doesn't happen, treat them like you would treat a Gentile or a tax collector. Basically what it's saying is treat them terribly and hatefully. This is the, this is the part of this passage that needs light, light shown on it the most. That Jesus steps into the Jewish culture, the Gentile culture, and when Jesus steps into it, there's a common way to be together, which is hate to the point of actual murder at times. So you would, he stepped into a culture that the Jewish culture would treat the Gentile culture as if they were animals. And it was celebrated to treat them pitifully and poorly. Jesus steps on the scene. How does Jesus treat tax collectors and Gentiles? So this is what this is saying. When a brother or sister is at such a spot that there needs to be a separation, we're not only to not treat them with hate we're to treat them as Jesus treated these people, which is so generous that there would always be the possible avenue of restoration. That is lacking. So the person who has harmed you the most and is unwilling to ever listen, how do you treat them? Can you pull up these passages for me? As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Did you know that Matthew was a tax collector? <laughs> the person writing this book is saying, treat those that are outside the community like I was treated as a tax collector by Jesus, which was an openness and a receptiveness to the possibility of following him. This is not a way to say, shun them even more, those idiots. Can you pull up the next one? And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and, saw, and said to them, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to the 
to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor and the half defrauded anyone in anything. I restored it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So what is being said when someone has to be separated? Leave hope that there will be restoration always. Always continue to go the extra mile. Do not treat them poorly. So humility is not just during the process. Humility is every time you see that person for the rest of your life. (laughs) This is the body of Christ. This is important. I've experienced this a couple times, but not more than that. I I, want to be really honest with you. I want to be utterly real as Jesus was. This is not seen much to treat people who treat you wrong and actually harmed you with generosity and hospitality and hope that Christ could restore. I wanna be this. I'm not super successful at it. And that's because I have so many blind spots that I don't think I have. Like you, we need to be able to hear if we've possibly wronged. And back to the humility, someone who is truly humble is someone who is able to say, maybe I did it when they know that they didn't. That's a follower of Christ. That's people who are well beyond my age have learned these things and are gifts to community. This is what we're called to. And the heart of each member, and I'm gonna wrap it up, the heart of each member in the body of Christ is built around humility, confession, and repentance. Just to say, I could have possibly, but those things don't come in perfect societies. You're not trained in confession and repentance because of how good you are. It's because you've been given opportunities to own your junk. And once you become comfortable saying, I'm sorry, I did it. I'm sure I'm flawed in this. And here's really the ways I think I am. Can you forgive me? Then you're starting to build out your toolkit and you understand that being in a body is being humble, not demanding. It's Romans 12, right, 9 through 17. It's this idea that we would bend over backwards to love one another, that we would celebrate with those who celebrate and even cry with those who cry. When's the last time we cried with a brother or sister who was crying? There's this African tribe that was, a missionary group came in and one of the members had been lost to some kind of plague and one of the ladies was talking about her connection and they said, I know that this person was probably really close to you. And she said, actually, it wasn't as close as you think. We would laugh together, but we never cried together. That was the way that they talked about the depth of their culture, as if you could cry with someone because what happens in those spaces is truly kinship. And so for the body of Christ, for you guys, like whoever's here, what we're doing, our first step is, Jesus, make us like you, make us humble like you. And I just challenge you today, if you're listening or if you're here, if you have been wronged and you feel like you've been sinned against by someone, especially within your own body, I ask you to be brave enough 
to sit with them and see what the Father can do. And just maybe the miraculous comes from that, which is a lifelong friend. And just maybe there's mutual apologies. But Christ will be present with you. And Christ will be with the body. So we're going to close if you want to come up, worship team. When we say yes to Christ, we feel pretty passionate about saying yes to being cleansed and freed and even given a calling and an identity and having blessed, being blessed. We love the chosenness of God, even though few of us know what that even means at this point. But sometimes we don't know the blessing of community and that it's interdependent. You can't have Jesus and not have his community. And if that's a theological framework you're operating under, it's wrong. The body of Christ is interdependent with connection with God. And it's just a Western culture's narrative to say that it's not. And we're better when we're together and when we fight. So we're in a season where we're asking our body and those who are here and those who are jumping in to re-engage the body. So much of the reason there are fights on Facebook about political things is because we've distanced ourselves from one another in communion and now there's no common ground to have conversations. There's no baseline for connection. So disagreement feels 10 times bigger. Re-engage the body. In whatever way that you can, if it's online, if it's through a friend, if it's out in your front yard, step into the body. All of these passages we're reading are because the church of Jesus, the ecclesia, the community of God, this is what he's using and he will use. This is what he loves and will die for. And we're an open invitation to all who are hungry and thirsty, but don't even know how to put words to that. And when people see us at Rev and Cafe Lucia and Starbucks and at Campbell Middle School and High School and at our jobs and at the library and on sports teams with sports games, they're looking at a messenger and a bearer of Christ. So help us, God. Help us to provide for a world right now what it's yearning for, connection. What it's yearning for, hope. What it's yearning for, freedom. I'm just praying that right now in this room, you would feel in your homes and here what it feels like to be selected and chosen and blessed and in our brokenness given. That you would sense the weight of his love that causes us to go low and be submissive and humble and say, yes, I will go. I will go to my friend and talk and be honest. I will go into the city. I will go where you send me. Remind us of the largeness, God, of the intimacy you offer us. Remind us that without you, it's impossible even if we're really smart and have a good plan. Remind us that without one another, we're definitely skewed and we have no idea the true reality.
because the spirit and community and word have to work together. We repent of our individualism and call it what it is. Father, please cleanse us and heal us when we need to be self-sufficient. Highlight the voices in our past that told us to be that. That's kept us on our couches, away from community, and kept us out of real conversations, only talking about sports and the weather. Highlight in us those things that are yearning to come out, that in community and connection can surface and flourish. Bring forward the truest part of us, God. As individuals in a community interdependent, bring forth the truest part of River City. Bring forth the truest part of the church across the world that our thirst for you would be seen, that it would be beautiful, that it would look so disarming. Bring healing to brokenness, God. I pray for the people in this room that have broken relationships with their own family, that they've gotten so far gone in their own family, they don't know what to say, what to do. It just feels like walls, 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 that you, Jesus, would give them a way through it into deeper, more meaningful conversations, and somebody will need to be humble. Send us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we love you guys. excited for the next season to walk with you. Be on the lookout this week. Our body is really trying to figure out ways to re-engage with everyone and see where everyone's at. Seems like people are all over the place and we're going to be spending some time just kind of loving people and figuring out what's needed. And and so be on the lookout for Wednesday night at Bronner and then next Tuesday on the 22nd, a prayer and worship night. We love you guys. Can't wait to see you all soon. God bless you. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.